Amen. His blood covered it all. Boy, I'm telling you what, the Lord, the Lord is already sending a message this morning. I'm telling you, I don't know if y'all been picking up on it, but he ransomed me, redeemed. It was me on his mind. His blood covered it all. And there's different people involved in picking all these songs. So the Lord been working behind the scenes to line all this up. I believe the Lord is sending out a call this morning. I believe that there are some who need to put their trust in Him as Lord and Savior, and He is letting them know His blood covers it all. You know what Miss Lindsay sang? That it was me on His mind, and she is singing that from the viewpoint of a Christian, praising God for remembering her. But if you're here and you've never accepted the Lord as your Savior this morning, you could sing that song. I could sing that song that it was you on His mind. As you said here this morning, having never trusted the Lord as your Savior, you can mark it down that as he was hanging on that cross, uh, he was thinking about you. Uh, he was thinking that he was going to offer salvation. Uh, he was thinking that he was making a way of redemption. Uh, there is no reason that we need to live a life uh, bound by the chains of sin uh, when we can have, find, have freedom and find hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, I'm telling you what, as Brother Danny was singing there, I thought I might just stand up and give an invitation. I mean, uh, boy, I tell you what, and honestly, seriously, the Lord is speaking to your heart. Today is the day of salvation. We're going to be in the book of Luke this morning, Luke chapter number 13, and also in the book of Matthew chapter number 7. Luke chapter number 13 and Matthew chapter number 7. Be looking at the parable of the straight gate, the parable of the straight gate. We've been looking at several of the parables of the Lord Jesus Christ over the last uh, several weeks. We've been looking at the parables. The last several parables that we've looked at uh, have dealt with the subject of salvation. And this parable that we're looking at this morning again deals with the thought of salvation. Here in the book of Luke, we find the parable that is referred to as the parable of the straight gate. In the book of Matthew, we find that Jesus refers uh, to uh, this straight gate near to his close uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. We'll be looking at both of these passages in just a few minutes. Now, some students of the Bible... Uh, don't consider this passage of Scripture to be a parable uh, as, a as many other parables are uh, described. But in this account, uh, we see Jesus answering uh, a spiritual question uh, and he does so uh, with the use of a word picture that portrays uh, an earthly situation. Uh, and so that is uh, the basis of what a parable is. And so I believe that this definitely uh, could be used as a parable. But even if you say, Pastor John... That is not a parable. It is the Word of God, and the truths that are found therein are applicable uh, whether you want to refer to it as a parable or not. And so we see here this passage of Scripture where it speaks uh, of the straight gate. Now, like I said, over the last several weeks, we've been looking at the parables of salvation. And I find it interesting that many of the parables that Jesus taught dealt specifically with the importance of salvation. You know what? It seems that in our day, in many churches and in many religions, the emphasis has been taken off of the importance of salvation. The emphasis has been taken off the importance of being born 
again. Jesus said to Nicodemus, ye must be born again. But there are so many churches and so many religions that teach that you can get to heaven by our own merit, by the good that we do, by the things that we accomplish, and hundreds of thousands of people are going through life doing their best to do what they think is good so that they can obtain heaven when the Bible emphasizes over and over and over again, as Brother Yates said in our conference this past weekend, you cannot get to heaven by being good. There is only one way of salvation and that is through putting your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs that there is a way that seemeth right unto a man and that is what many people do. They are going through life doing what seems right to them. They are following the code of conduct that they have determined is appropriate. But the Bible tells us in Proverbs there is a way that seemeth right unto a man but the problem about living by what seems right to you is that the end thereof is the way of death. There is only one way of salvation and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the subject of the parable that we'll be looking at this morning, the parable of the straight gate. We're going to look here in Luke chapter number 13, starting in verse number 23. We'll read down through verse number 30, and then we'll turn over to the book of Matthew chapter number 7. In Luke 13 and verse number 23, the Bible says, Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up and hath shut to the door, and you begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us, and he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence ye are. Then shall you begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast told in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourself thrust out. They shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south, and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. And behold, there are last which shall be first, and there are first which shall be last. Flip over with me the book of Matthew, back just a couple of books, the book of Matthew chapter number 7. Matthew chapter number 7, and we'll look at verse number 13. Jesus is coming to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and here in verse 13 and 14, He also refers to this straight gate. In Matthew 7 and verse number 13, Jesus said, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. We have that illustrated in the picture on the screen this morning. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, And narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, Lord, we come to you this morning, and Lord, 
Lord, I believe with all my heart, Lord, there is some here this morning that need to surrender to the gospel. Lord, I believe there are some here that are seeking. Oh, Lord, they are interested in you. Uh, but Father, they have never put their trust in you. And Lord, as we look at this passage of Scripture this morning, oh Father, Lord, I pray that you will move me out of the way. I pray, dear Lord, that your word will have free course. Uh, I pray, dear Lord, that the Spirit of God will move in on this place. And Father, that you will take your word. And Father, Lord, that you will convict uh, the hearts of the people. Uh, and Lord, that you will use the truth of your word uh, to open their eyes to the fact that there is only one way, uh, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ, Father. I pray. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being in your house. Bless uh, in the message this morning. And Father, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We look here in Luke chapter number 13 and we see uh, this parable of the straight gate. The first thing I want to point out to you this morning concerning this passage of Scripture is the practical question uh, that we find in verse number 23. In Luke 13, verse number 23, the first verse that we read, then said one unto him. Now the Bible does not uh, elaborate on who this person was. It just tells us there was someone there. Uh, and they said unto him, to Jesus, Lord, are there few... That be saved. Now, this seems like a genuine question. Uh, now, as I said, we don't know who the person is that is asking this question. Uh, uh, we do not know if he is a follower of Christ. Uh, uh, we do not know if he is someone who is skeptical uh, of Christ. We do not know who this person is, uh, uh, but we can tell uh, that this person has been definitely observing uh, uh, Jesus Christ. He has been observing his works here on earth, uh, and in observing him, he has realized uh, that there are some uh, who are following him but the multitudes are not following him. You see, Jesus would gather the thousands and he would feed the 5,000 with the loaves and the fishes and a tremendous work would be done. Then whenever he would begin to preach, the multitudes would leave. The thousands would flock to see the miracles, but only a few would stay with him. Only a few would listen to what he had to say. Many were attracted to him. Many were interested in him. But whenever it came to commitment, it seemed that the multitude fell away. This individual, whoever he was, had observed this. He had recognized that although many seemed to be interested in Christ, that there were few who were sticking with him. And so they asked Jesus the question, based on this observation, are there few that will be saved? Are there few that's going to spend eternity in heaven? Are there only a few that are going to benefit from the truth that you portray? Is it only going to be a few? We see that he asked a practical question. But then in verse number 24, we see that Jesus answered his question by making a personal application. He asked this question, but Jesus answered with a personal application. You see, the question should not be who will be saved, but the question should be, and the question that Jesus returns to this man is, the question is not who, but will you? This man asked the question, are there only a few going to be saved? Now you would think that this question could be a simple yes or no answer. Lord, will only a few be saved? Yes, only a few will believe in me. Or, no, many will turn to me. It's a simple question. It could have been a simple answer. 
But Jesus didn't even answer the question. No, he said, the question, my friend, is not who will be saved. The question is, will you be saved? The question is, will you be saved? Jesus used this opportunity to make a personal application. You see, our Savior did not come to gratify our curiosity. But He came to guide our consciousness. You see, many times we go through life and we want our curiosity gratified. You remember the woman at the well. Jesus, where should we worship, in this mountain or that mountain? In our day, people say, which denomination is right? And well, all kind of things. We want our curiosity gratified. We have all kind of Bible questions. And many times there are those who are not a part of church who know a little bit about religion. And boy, they have their hard question that they like to stump people with. What about this. I remember one time I picked a gentleman up. Uh, my dad and I, we picked a gentleman up and uh, it was hitchhiking and we were going down the road uh, and he began telling us about a passage in Scripture uh, and he said, boy, I'm telling you what, if you look at that passage of Scripture, you realize that there is nothing true in the entire Bible and I mean, he thought he had us backed in a corner. He was proven to us uh, but the problem was because he was so stuck uh, on gratifying his curiosity, his soul uh, was going to spend eternity in hell. Many people go through life seeking to gratify their curiosity about the insignificant things rather than focusing on the most important thing, which is where will you spend eternity? We see here that this fellow said, how many will be saved? But Jesus didn't want to gratify his curiosity, but instead he wanted to turn his thoughts to the importance of salvation. And so Jesus responded to the question with a statement. He said, don't ask how many will be saved, but rather ask yourself, will I be saved? In his response, Jesus turned this broad question to a point of personal examination. And as we look at this this morning, I pray that you will do the same and turn this to a personal examination. In verse number 23, Then said one of them, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he, Jesus, said unto them, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. There are several things we see here in Jesus' answer. The first thing that we see when we look at this is that there is a door to heaven. There is a, a one way. There is a, a door to heaven. There is a way whereby you may obtain hope of eternal life. There is a way. It is not something that cannot be obtained. It is something that is available. There is a door to heaven. He said the straight gate. What is that door? Where is that door? What is this gate that Jesus is referring to? Well, the Bible makes it clear what this door is. He makes it clear what this way is. Uh, sometimes we mysticize this and we forget uh, uh, what is so clearly described in the Word of God. Jesus tells us in John chapter number 10 in verse number seven or verse number nine, uh, I am the door. By me, 
if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find a pasture. Jesus makes it clear what this gate is. He makes it clear what the doorway is. He said, I am the door. If any man come in, he must come through the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way of salvation. In Matthew chapter number 7, he said, Broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. There's plenty of room for all your ideas. There's plenty of room for all your religions. There's plenty of room for everything that you're trusting in. But it's on the broad way and it leads to destruction. But there is only one way where you can secure eternity in heaven and that is through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 14 verse number 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We see in this passage of Scripture that there is a door. There is a way. There is only one way. And that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing Jesus pointed out to this individual was that there is only one way of salvation. And that way of salvation is a narrow entrance. In other words, there's no room for your ideas. There's no room for your interpretation. There's no room for your religion or what you've been believing in. The only thing that there is room for on the road to salvation is belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, nothing else. It is a straight way. And that word straight there that is used there, S-T-R-A-I-T, is the same as the word narrow. It's not the same that we would use in opposition to crooked, but it means narrow. It is a narrow way and there is only room for trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. The narrow way leads to life and the first thing Jesus pointed out was that there was only one way of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. But the second thing that Jesus pointed out and some people hang up here so we'll try to explain it. He pointed out that entering the straight gate requires effort. Entering the straight gate requires effort. Now some of you are already thinking, but wait a minute, Pastor John. Salvation is by grace through faith. Uh, it is not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. What, what do you mean that it requires effort? Well, he said there very clearly in verse number 24, strive to enter in at the straight gate. What was the Lord talking about uh, when He said to strive to enter in? Well, the word strive that is used here uh, gives the idea of intentional effort. It is also used in conjunction with describing an athlete who wants to win. Uh, uh, he intentionally applies himself uh, to winning the race. Uh, he gives himself uh, the effort necessary uh, to win the race. It is intentional effort. Uh, it, is, it, it is the effort uh, that results from the desire. There are some who sit in church. They hear the preaching of God's Word. They are interested in the things of God. They would like to think that when they die, they will go to heaven. But when the invitation is given, there's no action to accompany the desire. They never get out of their pew. 
They never come to the altar. They never seek for someone to show them how they can know for sure they're on their way to heaven. There is a desire, but there's no action. Jesus said it takes some intentional effort. This is not to say that we obtain salvation through our efforts, but Jesus is making a contrast between those who know of God and those who are willing to repent and believe on Him for salvation. Everyone in this room this morning knows of God. But I believe there are some in this room who are yet to repent and believe on the gospel. Jesus is making a contrast between those who know and those who are willing to repent. He makes the contrast. We can see the contrast at the end of verse number 24 where Jesus points out that many will fail to enter. Many will fail to enter. He said there in verse number 24, he said, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. The word seek used here gives the idea of to desire or to inquire after. There are many who will desire to go to heaven. As a matter of fact, if I was to ask for a raise of hands this morning and say, how many of you here want to go to heaven when you die? I dare say that every person in the building would raise their hand and say, yes, I want to go to heaven when I die. Many desire to go to heaven and some have even inquired about how do I go about getting to heaven. And of course, whenever you inquire, it depends on who you inquire after, we get a multitude of answers on what you got to do to get to heaven. And basically, it doesn't matter how you describe it. It all boils down to most people think that you get to heaven by your good works, by the good things that you've done, by keeping yourself clean and out of trouble, and that is how you get to heaven. And so we boil it down and say we get to heaven by being good. And so people go through life making their own set of rules, trying to live by their own set of rules, thinking that that is going to get them to heaven. They desire to go to heaven. They've inquired about going to heaven. Many, many, many will seek to enter in. And I'm telling you what, this world is full of people who are seeking to enter in. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Everybody, if you ask them, will you go to heaven when you die? Many, many, many people will say, I sure hope so. Everybody is hoping that that is where they're going to wind up. Everybody is hoping that they'll spend eternity in heaven. Many are seeking to enter in, but Jesus said, but they will not be able. Why is it that they seek to enter in? They've inquired after how to enter in, but they will not be able. In our picture, we have here this big gate. We have the little small gate to the side. Now we know that this is a parable and we know that this is just a representation. But if you could picture a large group of uh, several hundred people on the road walking. The majority of the crowd, basically as far as you can tell, all of the crowd is going through the large entry. Everybody's going that way. 
Now, as you're walking that way, you're thinking in your mind uh, that you want to go to heaven when you die. You're thinking in your mind that you do not want to spend eternity in hell. You've heard about hell. You don't want to spend eternity there. You want to go to heaven when you die. But you're moving along the road with a group of people. You begin asking amongst the people that are there, what must I do to get to heaven? What is required of me? The general consensus is that you must be good. You look at those around you again and you're kind to those that are near you. You're friendly to those that are near you. Uh, You've not caused any problems. Uh, You're getting along well in life. Uh, But the whole time you're moving steadily toward the large door. You have sought to enter in. You've inquired after it. Uh, You are interested in going to heaven. Uh, But as you're in the midst of the throng, uh, heading toward the wide gate, uh, you are not able to enter the small door. Why? Because you're putting your trust in what the crowd is doing. You're following what everybody says is right. You're following the general consensus. It looks right. It's a pretty gate. Everybody says this is the right way to go. In your heart, you want to go to heaven. But you know what's going to happen? You're going to walk off the cliff into eternal damnation. Many will seek to enter in, but they will not be able. Does this mean that Jesus is saying, I will refrain them from entering in? No, no, no. He's not saying, I will stop them from entering in. No, no. He said, strive to enter in. It's available. Whosoever will may come. The door is open. It's available. I'm inviting you to come. But there are many of you who are wanting to go to heaven who are going to miss the door. He said you have to strive to enter in. What am I talking about? I believe that there comes a time when we start going along with the crowd. We start going, we'll stop going with the flow. We stop asking the world around us. And instead, we begin to seek after God. We strive to enter in. As we're going along that road, we say, I know that there is a narrow way. I know that there is a way to heaven. I know that there is a way of salvation. And I am determined that I will find that way. The Bible says that if we seek the Lord, He will be found of us. And if we get serious about looking for Him, we start striving to enter in. We know that an eternity in heaven is of utmost importance to us and we begin to seek and to strive and to look and to try to find the way to heaven, he will make himself known unto us. Many will seek to enter in but they will not be able. Jesus is making a comparison to this gentleman. The question is not how many will be saved but the question is are you just going through life trying to satisfy your curiosity? Or are you seeking to know the Lord as your Savior? For He is the way of salvation. Why is it important? Why is it important that we turn our attention to the Savior? Why is it important that we quit looking to our own ideas and our own good deeds? Why is it important that we quit looking at that and we look at Christ? And why is it important that we do it now? Because in verse number 25, Jesus points out the past opportunity. In verse number 25 of Luke 13, it says, When once the master of the house is risen up and hath shut to the door, 
He began to stand without and to knock at that door saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know not whence ye are. This reminds me of Noah's day. Noah built the ark. For a hundred years, Noah preached, judgment is coming. The whole time that he preached, the door was open. Anyone was welcome to join him on the ark. He preached and he preached and he preached and he preached that judgment was coming. Yet man did not want to believe on what Noah was saying. They wanted to trust in their own ability. They wanted to trust in what they had prepared. They wanted to trust in what they thought would take care of them. And finally the day came that God put Noah and his family in the ark and God closed the door and judgment began to fall. The rain began to fall. The fountains of the deep began to open up and everyone realized that what Noah had been preaching was the truth and they began to pound on the sides of the ark. Let me in. Let me in. Let me in. But the opportunity for salvation was past. There was no more opportunity to get on board the ark. Jesus says, it is important that you strive to enter in at the straight gate because there is coming a day when your opportunity will be passed. Now the opportunity could be passed because you meet with unexpected tragedy and your life ends before you expect it to. That end could come with the Lord returning and judgment falling upon the earth. But the truth of the matter is, whichever way it comes... No man knows when is his last day. No man knows when the opportunity will be passed. Jesus said, strive to enter in at the straight gate. Many will seek and shall not be able. He said in verse 25, when once the master of the house is risen up and hath shut the door. And ye begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. The Bible says that in hell there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Why? Because we missed our opportunity to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We missed our opportunity to believe on Him. Here we see the closed door. Today, right now, Jesus stands at the door and knocks. He is asking you to let him in. Today, Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Today, Jesus says, Whosoever is a thirst, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. Today, Jesus invites whosoever desires salvation to come. The door is open. It's not obstructed. It's available to all. And he is inviting you to come. But there are many, there are millions who are on the Broadway wanting to go to heaven but never putting their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, there's coming a day when Jesus will say, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew. 
you. The question was asked, how many will be saved? And Jesus said, the question is, will you be saved? The question is not how many, the question is will you? And you know, I find that is a wonderful thing about our Savior. Every day, His invitation is will you? Will you? Will you? Master, how many will be saved? It's not determined yet. Will you? Will you? Will you? His constant call is will you accept the Savior? It's 3 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse number 2. Paul said, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. This morning, there may be someone here who is interested in the things of God. There may be someone here who's been inquiring. Maybe you've been inquiring from others. Maybe you've been inquiring in the quietness of your own soul. But you've been asking, what can I do to ensure that when I die, I'll go to heaven? But this morning, I ask you, when we give the invitation in a few minutes, will you step out of your seat and come do something about it? You can sit there in your seat and you can wonder and you can ponder. You can be interested. You can ask yourself the questions. But all the while, you're on the broad way to destruction. But if you'll step out of your seat and come to this altar and say, I want to know how I can know for sure that I'm on my way to heaven. I want to put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you have taken action. You have went through the narrow door. You have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and your eternity is secure. This morning, will you believe on the Son of God for the salvation of your soul? I'm going to ask each of you to stand there where you are. Miss Debbie's going to come to the piano. This morning, if you're here and you've never put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, don't put it off. There's no reason to tarry. Put your trust in Jesus. Today is the day of salvation. As Miss Debbie plays, if the Lord spoke to your heart in this message, come, come to this altar. Let somebody take a Bible and show you how you can know without a shadow of a doubt that you're on your way to heaven. Miss Debbie.